Introducing Bluehost Cloud, ultra-fast WordPress hosting with 100% uptime. Want a website with unmatched power, speed, and control? Of course you do. And now you can have all three with Bluehost Cloud, the new web hosting plan from Bluehost. With 100% uptime and incredibly speedy load times, your WordPress websites will be dependable and lightning fast on a global scale. Plus, your sites can handle even the biggest traffic spikes without going down or lagging. And with Bluehost Cloud, you get 24-7 WordPress priority support, meaning you're connected to WordPress experts anytime you need them. Not to mention, you automatically get daily backups and world-class security. So, what are you waiting for? Get Bluehost Cloud today by visiting bluehost.com. That's bluehost.com. Hello and welcome everyone to Active Quest episode 123. Uh, my name is Chris Penwell, and I am joined by Josh Nichols. Hey, Chris. How you doing? I'm doing good. Doing good. Um, uh, bit sad that Joseph isn't here today. He's still figuring out, like, moving stuff. But we have an awesome guest to join us today, and that's Abram Buna. Um, thank you for coming back. Thank you for having me. I loved my first appearance. I'm really glad to get to talk to you guys some more. Yeah, uh, looking forward to talking about E3 with you. Um, and you're from Backlog Banter, you're from CBR, um, anything else? That's it. Awesome. Uh, so before we move on, um, I have to say um, you can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, and Google Play. Uh, please review us if you can. Um, it would really help us out. And, you know, we're trying to spread the message about ActiveQuest. And um, hopefully you're enjoying the show. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at ActiveQuestShow. You can email us at ActiveQuestPodcast at gmail.com. Uh, you can get our shirt, and uh, we are proud to be a part of the HP Video Game Podcast Network. Um, so let's go right into it. Uh, Jeff Keighley, he started off the summer game, I get summer game fest, you know, E3 season. Um, with some big announcements, so uh, let's talk about the biggest one of the show. We're not going to go into like chronological order. I think we're just going to talk about like what we're interested in. Um, Elden Ring. Uh, it's received a tw- January twenty first, twenty twenty two game uh, release. Um, this is a huge announcement from Jeff. I don't know how he got it, but uh, this this is great news for anyone who's a from software fan. Uh, Abram, let's start with you. Like, what do you think of this? So, from my perspective, I was most interested in the fact that Jeff Keighley got this announcement. Because, yeah, like you said, yeah. he he really brought the heat to that showcase when I didn't expect it. Um, but in the context of Elden Ring, I have to say I'm just not really a, a Souls fan. So this announcement kind of ships in the night with it for me. Right. Uh, but my 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 co-host at uh, BLB, Tucker Hazel, is a huge Souls fan. So judging off his reaction and a lot of my other friends, it was clearly a good showing and I like the concept of a of an open world Souls game if it's able to integrate, you know, some some good exploration elements that might make might get me in. I I enjoyed what I played of Sekiro, but on the whole, just not my design philosophy. But I'm I'm so glad we finally saw it, and that it's coming so imminently for the people who've been waiting yeah. for literally years now. Do, do do you prefer when a game developer kind of like releases a trailer like six months before it's released? 
I bet you do I, as a Nintendo fan. <laughs> I want your game to be announced and to come out two days later if possible. <laughs> if we can mitigate delays, if we can, if if I see a title, if I see a game I like and it's a title card, nothing else, I just can't sleep for like a month and a half. You know, yeah. let's let's keep it efficient, and that's what I. That's partially why this Elden Ring reveal re-reveal was so great. Mm-hmm. Uh, Josh, uh, do you have any thoughts on this? Um, I've, I've always been somebody who thought the Souls games were neat, but I haven't like personally like you know put a lot of time into them. I, I still want to try. Um, I think I'm going to pick this up at release just because it. I'm especially excited uh, because of George R. R. Martin being involved, and I haven't like read Game mm-hmm. of Thrones or anything, but I just I really like when an author is involved with world building, like we saw that with Kingdoms of Amalur yeah. too, and I think that's like kind of exciting because then the developer can focus on like the game itself and then like the world buildings from someone who specializes in that. I just think that's a cool combo. And for me, I think uh, Joseph's going to kill me for this comment, but I've always found the Souls games kind of dull, like in terms of story and the lore. It's never really gravitated towards me. Well, that's not their strong suit. So yeah, if if that's what you're mostly into, it makes sense to not be as into them, you know? Yeah, because it's got solid gameplay. It's a bit too tough for my liking, but I still enjoy it. And like, and if you intertwine like a great story with that gameplay, I think they're onto a winner. Do you um, think this will have a bigger kind of story because of like George R. R. Martin and stuff, or I you think, think it'll so. be like the other Souls games? I think so. I, I think they'll be more involved in a way, um, but we we don't know for sure because we haven't yeah. seen any further gameplay of it. We just saw like a brief kind of trailer. It's real and coming out soon. Is basically yes. what we got. Yeah. You know what else is coming out soon <clears throat> and probably next year, I believe? Tiny Tina's Wonderlands, which is a fantasy sci-fi FPS spin-off of Borderlands that stars Andy Samberg, um, Wonder Sykes, Willonite, and Ashley Birch. That's that's quite the cast. And mm-hmm. um I feel like this is gonna be like critical role the game, you know, where <laughs> like we're gonna go through all sorts of different like D D style situations. It's a nice change of pace for the Borderlands series. Like, I know there was, like, that DLC for Borderlands 2 that was kind of about t- Tiny Tina's D&D obsession. Um, but it would be really cool to see it in a fantasy setting. Yeah. I think it's really great that we're seeing a resurgent Borderlands right now. You know, yeah. it was so beloved in, in the seventh generation, and then it probably took too long to get, you know, going again with 3. I think that gap might have been a little bit too long but between that reception and the film and now this i think we could be in a position where you know borderlands is able to kind of ride the destiny wave ride the the resurgent multiplayer shooter wave and carve out a pretty good niche again like elden ring you know i'm I'm not i i'm not big on borderlands i played a little bit of two it just it's it's humor doesn't quite speak to me and that's such a big draw of the game um, but from a macro perspective, I think this is really important if Gearbox wants to actually solidify its franchises, being more than just, you know, a, a siloed off shooter here or there, having this larger universe is is really useful. Mm-hmm. Be, and it's going to be a, a shooter again, but with that fantasy aesthetic. So I'm looking forward to seeing how they mix it up. Um, so, Josh, do you have anything to say on this before we move on? I'm a big fan of uh, Will Arnett and Ashley Birch. I mean, yeah. Andy Samberg and Wanda Sykes are cool too, but like, I love Will Arnett and Ashley Birch. So I'm really excited that, you know, we're getting this big games, you know, starring them. Um, and then like you guys were saying, I like the the premise, I think lets it be a little more like untethered from 
you know, the series. And I think that that could be really exciting. It's a really easy way for it to explore and kind of do whatever it wants. And that's not just good for this game. That's also good for them to kind of, you know, kind of backdoor, backdoor pilot, like some ideas for the future too, because they could, you know, design like a little section that's like, oh, let's test this out. And then maybe people like it, maybe they don't, but worst case scenario, it's just like a little area in the game. But if people like it, then, hey, let's do that in the next game or something. So I think that's right. really exciting. Mm-hmm. Uh, something else that's exciting from Summer Game Fest was Metal Slug Tactics. It's oh, like it a strategy so version after the classic game. Uh, so, Josh, what do you think? I, I really like the graphics and uh, aesthetic of Metal Slug. Like, mm-hmm. like Metal Slug, Sonic the Hedgehog, and, like, Doom are, like, three... I know those are all, like, really different, but, like, I just love, like, you know, the, the font and the, 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 the background art and just, like, the way those games look. And so... I, I, I'm, I'm excited to get a new strategy game and everything, but I'm also just excited to get more Metal Slug because the, the games are just so cool. And I don't know, it kind of gives me hope for other IPs that we haven't seen do anything in forever, you know? Like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. what else like, is going to come back? Can you think of a classic franchise like you'd like to twist into a different genre off the sp- on the spot? I would really like a Silent Hill game that is um, more um, like narrative-driven. Because I, 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 I think I think horror, like the, the regular Silent Hill games are really cool and all, but I just mean like how cool would it be if we got something like the medium and like those first person kind of narrative adventures, but like in Silent Hill where they can just do story, you know, and like not as much of a stay alive combat kind of thing. You know, I'm talking like stuff like um, like Amnesia, like imagine Silent Hill, but like that. I don't know. I want to see more, more, more horror stuff. So I guess that's probably my answer, but my my one would be Ratchet and Clank, but as a roguelite. Dude, that would be roguelike. cool. Yeah, unlock new weapons and yeah. upgrades, and yeah. yeah, that'd be fun. Mm-hmm. I've long uh, said that a Pikmin roguelite is really where it's at. <laughs> that yeah. would be good. But um, in for Metal Slug Tactics, the narrative for me is that Dotemu is publishing this game, and mm-hmm. that I think is so key. The way that we've seen. Uh, this studio really come into its own, both as a developer with the excellent, excellent Streets of Rage 4, yeah. but now publishing both TMNT's Shredder's Revenge, oh, which so I can't excited. wait for. Oh my God. And then this game too. They're kind of, in my opinion, becoming an analog to a almost like a Yacht Club games where they understand how to isolate, curate, and sort of bring to the forefront these smaller teams with these IP that are just that just understand what they're trying to accomplish. Yeah. In in the way that Yacht Club found, you know, I think I forgot the name of the developer, but for the way they found Cyber Shadow is what I'm seeing uh, Dotemu start to do with different projects here. And that's really exciting. And I, I do think that they are the team that could facilitate more of these revivals, whether that they are more faithful, like a Shredder's Revenge in the style of, uh, you know, the, the old TMNT games from the arcades or something more, you know, unique, like a Metal Slug Tactics. But this is a team to keep an eye on. I'm really sure is. of it. Yeah, so they like, might be able to get me Pokemon Trading Card Game Three. That would maybe. be phenomenal. <laughs> that would be awesome. Yeah, Those games are so good. <laughs> uh, so something else that's coming back is Death Stranding, uh, the director's cut. I'm not a big fan of this game, but uh, I don't know. It, it's cool that it's getting some sort of extended edition with new levels and scenes. I, I take it. Like, uh, I also loved the trailer where uh, they were kind of making fun of like Metal Gear Solid. Yeah. Um, and the guy going into the <laughs> Sam Porter Bridges going into the box 
thinking like can i go under the box but he didn't yeah <laughs> almost like he was like this is ridiculous i can't hide in yeah. here no <laughs> abram you're a, you're a fan i gotta ask I, I i should add i haven't played uh death stranding so i don't really have an opinion on it it looks like it could be neat but i just want i'm confused and i think you probably could uh give this information to me chris and our listeners uh wasn't the first game the director's cut that's where i'm confused so okay like, so well, what's this gonna give us what do you think Here's the problem, Josh. You have things a little bit twisted because I am I am far from a Death Stranding fan. <laughs> oh, okay. When you suggested adding it to the doc, I thought maybe like, oh, he's a fan of okay. I, I I'm curious in this game's identity more than its actual gameplay. If it's if it's a budget price, I would consider trying it again if it fine-tunes things a little bit. But I I, I found Death Stranding pretentious in a way that didn't feel clever and yeah. just not particularly fun from a moment-to-moment level. And frankly, it, the perfect director's cut of that game for me is 80% shorter. So, and that's obviously not what it's going to be. Um, it's interesting to see Kojima come back to this well. And it's interesting to see him so overtly r- reference Metal Gear. It, it, it makes, it kind of makes me wonder whether or not this is pointing towards that long rumored Blue Point Metal Gear Solid remake oh or, or, or anything because. I mean, frankly, I, I think that the context around this game is much more interesting than what it's probably going to manifest on a gameplay level. What if they reveal a Metal Gear Solid remake within the game itself? I wouldn't put it past anybody no, involved. We could definitely do that. And we've we've <laughs> seen stuff like that, like with Wolfenstein and Doom. You could play old levels that were like from the old games in the new games. So like. There, there's, there, you know what I mean. There's kind of a precedent for us seeing stuff like that. I, I wouldn't be, I could see Kojima doing that, even if it's just a yeah. section. And Kojima's done that before with PT. This is not an energy I want out in the universe because I don't want to have to play Death Stranding to direct music cut to, to get this content. New Metal, Ge- Metal Gear Six is available exclusively in Death Stranding. <laughs> yeah, you walk to all this distance for a reason. This is you your choice. You get to a, an old arcade and then you sit in a chair and play Metal Gear Solid. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, let's move on to Ubisoft um, because we're we're just like highlighting the games that kind of make you know that kind of stood out. There were others um, that were we should, yeah. Like, we should mention if we don't talk about a specific game, generally good stuff. Yeah. It's just because of time. We're not trying to leave yeah. off any any uh, games. And if if we if we don't talk about something that you're interested in, please feel free to you know tweet at us or email us so we can talk about it. Yeah, s- send us send us it uh, during our questions, uh, Fred, uh, next week or on the on the. Uh, active quest uh show on twitter um but first thing that came up for ubisoft um was rainbow six extraction there was a gameplay trailer it was a big reveal and then uh, a release date of september 16th which is very very soon like mm-hmm. by the time you're listening to this it'd be in three months day one i'm excited yeah this is basically just uh rainbow six siege mechanics but in, in pve instead of pvp so mm-hmm. if anybody checked out Siege and went, oh, this is hard. I don't know if I like this. But like other than that, thought it was, you know, cool or neat. Well, cool. Now you can take his mechanics and you can learn and play with friends against, you know, this like alien threat or whatever. And I really like this. I think this is so smart. Like I, I seriously, I, I, I love this. Okay. So uh, usually when a new game comes out, it kind of like ends the previous game, even if it's not intentional, like, like Call of Duty. You know, the new one comes out and the old lobbies kind of, kind of, you know, thin out. Well, what we're seeing with Ubisoft is they're tying Extraction and Siege into each other, where you don't have to play both if you don't want to, 
but it's the same kind of uh, gameplay mechanics in both games. So you could almost practice for Siege while playing the PvE and Extraction with your friends because it's the same, it's the same operators. It's the same, you know, it's the same kinds of uh, attacks and, and tactics. And then on top of that, they've already done, they just introduced this earlier. I just wrote an article on it. They're, they're uh, you know, giving you bonuses if, you're, if you've played both games and stuff. So I, I, I really like that. Like, honestly, even if I didn't like these games, which I, I do like Rainbow Six a lot, I, I still like seeing like, hey, our new game's coming out, but it's going to add to the old game and they're both going to keep happening. I think that's really cool. And I hope we see more of that. Okay, cool. Um, also, I just forgot something. So we're actually going to rate the conferences each. So, mm. um, what what would you rate Summer Game Fest? I give it a B. Okay. I think it was good. What do you think, Abram? Hmm. I, I I feel like Jeff Keeley running it gives me a weird myopia because I feel like it's better than what his conferences usually are. But I'm not sure what that really entails in general. I think he had a lot of really high-profile announcements, which I don't typically expect out of a Game Awards, for instance, outside of a rare exception. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but I still think that he he doesn't quite nail the balance between the marketing, the announcements, the, the conversation. So I think on the back of, of the announcements opposed to the tenor of the showcase, I'd probably say a B- is, is probably fair, okay. similar to you, Josh. I, I'd give it a B. It was so much better than last year. Last yeah. year, I, I kind of thought it was mostly like his planning, but I think it was the pandemic because this year it was a lot smoother, you know? Mm-hmm. And uh, there seemed to be like a real production to it. So like, I, I like the quality of it. Um, I loved how they did the musical performances and how they intertwined the gameplay with the music. Yeah. I thought that was great because it showcased the game, but also the music and it was entertaining at the same time. I liked um, Cute Animals and Weezer. Thought that mm-hmm. was fun, and the Sable uh, performance was quite stirring. So yeah, uh, I, I like that too. Um, but going back to Ubisoft, uh, I think Rainbow Six Extraction looks fun. I'll be checking it out for sure. Crossplay too. We can all play together. Oh really? Yeah, full crossplay. And uh, they're doing the same thing with Siege too. So you're and cross like save like your your, your profile goes goes across oh, all devices awesome. so like you're not gonna have to have a separate account and separate progress you just jump over and play you know yeah i i don't know that's also cool like i i think that's the norm now it used to be like oh cool this is cross play but now it's like oh it doesn't have cross yeah, borderlands weird. 3 isn't cross play oh with, yeah. uh, ps5 and ps4 uh, Mario Rabbits was uh, really exciting. It leaked that morning, but it was so mm-hmm. cool to see more about it after Rainbow Six. I'm really excited for that. I loved the first game. Yeah, it's called Spark of Hope, and uh, it's bringing in like a space setting. It's got Ro- rabid Rosalina who doesn't give a fuck about anything. <laughs> <laughs> um, Abram, you're the Nintendo guy. Um, yes. Are you excited for this? Uh, surprisingly so, because, uh, unlike you, Josh, I, I didn't really like the first game all that much. I don't have anything against the Rabbids. I actually enjoy a good Rabbids go home here and there, actually. Mm-hmm. I, I enjoyed those games in the week quite a bit. My problem with the original is that I think that it relied so heavily on how peculiar its crossover was. I think a lot of the aesthetic and the charm of the game was because it's the Mario and it's Mario universe and the Rabbids and the gameplay was okay, but I think the level design started to lose the plot a little bit in the back half um so what i was impressed by in sparks of hope is it looks to me like they're truly building on the foundation and coming into their own i feel like the narrative isn't so reliant on the conceit it's more about introducing new characters bring it to a bigger scope it feels like the gameplay has been 
they, they talk about this action focus and we see it by removing the, the grid-based system. It just seems like a lot of what I felt was was kind of standard or uninteresting about Kingdom Battle is being converted in something that feels truly unique and special. So I'm really on board for this game when I was fairly cold off of the leak, seeing the game, seeing the cinematic, the gameplay, hearing the developers talk and their passion. It's really sparked something within me, I suppose you could say, and I'll definitely be checking it out. So what do you mean by it going more action-focused and a lack of a grid system is it different to kingdom battle because i was writing something while this came up i think <laughs> what we know so far is that um the the battles are probably still turn-based but you're not on a grid anymore you basically have like a an open arena which you can move around you still have like a like a, a boundary of how far you can move but you can be more active like we see rabid uh peach pick up a bob bomb and throw it at an enemy and then move around back into cover and everything so mm -hmm. It's not as um, standard in terms of tactical RPG combat this time around, which I think is going to go a long way to informing more interesting game design, which is was kind of my issue with the first game. That makes me think of Eternal Sonata, if you've ever played that. The game was really neat. I yeah, want that game to yeah. come back. Mm -hmm. it, that, that, that is, game is craving for a remaster <laughs> even just because that game's beautiful yeah like even if they just like did like the like the mass effect type thing like they had an ai clean it up and mm -hmm, then just mm -hmm. yeah re-release it that'd be cool and then ubisoft's biggest game and probably a huge disappointment to many avatar frontiers of pandora it's um uh, open world first person action game set in the avatar universe from james cameron not the last airbender which would have been a huge improvement um it's based in the western area of pandora that hasn't been seen in the film it has a 2022 release date so uh abram did this stand out to you uh, am i wrong <laughs> well i think the game looks very pretty it looks and, gorgeous yeah. and i think that they're kind of aiming for a 2015 battlefront-esque release strategy in the sense that avatar 2 is allegedly finally releasing next december so I think what we'll probably see is this this will tie in not directly from a narrative level, but just from a, a universe level and release mm -hmm. at a similar time. I'd imagine this is um, Ubisoft's holiday title next year. But the reason I really draw the Star Wars analog is because what's most disappointing to me is that Massive is making a Star Wars game. But if Massive doesn't have this title coming out until next holiday, well, then my Star Wars is probably several years away. Yeah. And frankly, I can't help but think about more interesting things that could be happening opposed to an avatar game which just feels out of time but we'll see maybe james cameron and the disney apparatus will kind of goose a little bit of life back into the franchise i don't maybe. know i doubt it but i we'll yeah. see i don't i just have that feeling it's going to be like a big flop uh next year i think this is the uh, first like really big kind of uh film tie-in i know it's not quite a film tie-in but you know like like abram was saying we haven't seen this kind of thing in a long time outside of Battlefront releasing near Star Wars. But like, I think that's probably why we're so nervous because when we were growing up and they would do a game based off a movie or tying into a movie, it usually was just like a collect-a-thon and it wasn't very good, you know? So I don't know. That might be why we're kind of nervous about it. I'm, I'm kind of indifferent to Avatar. I haven't seen it since I saw it in theaters in 2010 or whatever. Like, and I didn't like hate it. It was just like, that was, that was neat. That was cool. So I, I kind of, I'm, I'm, I'm willing, I'm willing to give the game a shot. I just don't have any expectations, you know? And like, like Abram said too, that means Star Wars probably 2023, 2024. And that was one of the games I was really hoping to see. Cause 
even if it was just like a 30 second like cgi trailer i just wanted something talking about it and we didn't get they could have multiple teams yeah i think that i think that the tenor around the license game is a little bit different i think that these companies are smarter and more cognizant of the fact that that sort of sixth generation low budget 3d platformer 3d action game doesn't fly anymore so we see a company like disney be very strategic about giving okay, let's give these Marvel IP to Square Enix. Let's give these to Insomniac, you know? Yeah. Uh, we didn't see the smartest deals cut with Star Wars, but I think that these companies are constantly learning. If we're going to do games, we've got to do them right. So my f- hesitation around the game is just more from, I think that it, the IP is a non-starter. I don't necessarily think that that massive is a problem. I think the division games are pretty good, actually. So yeah, we'll, we'll just see. I just don't know if it's the right, it if it's the a, right IP. It could be a good game of it in, a, in and of itself, and it could be better than the movie. <laughs> I don't know. Could be. Yeah. Um, then let's go on to this uh, train wreck, uh, Gearbox. Well, I guess before we move <laughs> on, what, what would you rate Ubisoft? Oh, right, yeah. I keep forgetting about that. Uh, Ubisoft, probably give a B-. minus. Yeah. And that's, I don't know. <laughs> That's being generous. I'd, I'd probably say C. Like it wasn't bad. It wasn't like amazing for me. It was. It was. It was good enough. You know. It was mm-hmm. what it needed to be. But so at, in my high school, at least you could pass with it with a D. So I'm gonna give Ubisoft a D because it was a passing <laughs> showcase. But I, I just don't think that it needed to be as long as it was. I, I don't think that a lot popped. It was a lot of updates, which is totally understandable considering the context that this showcase happened in. But a big theme for me, and we'll get into it as we get into later showcases, is publishers showed up with nothing to say and said stuff anyway. And I, I feel like Ubisoft is a case where they had a little bit to say, sure, but I don't think they delivered it particularly well. Yeah, less less can be more. And I think these companies were like, no, it's got to be a big event. And it's like, well, yeah, but not time-wise. You yeah. can make this a 20-minute thing and you're done. Do you think the ESA was um, uh, poking them? For for E three presentation, I, I, <laughs> that's actually yeah maybe. I think companies were giving money to the ESA to make sure the ES, ESA still does what they do. You know, I think there was a lot of yeah. let's keep this boat afloat, opposed to we need to be here because Ubisoft has hold, held forward events without the ESA. You know, I I think that there's definitely some politicking going on to the way that E three actually went down this year. We'll get to it later, but if I feel like if anybody was dragged to E3, it was Capcom. Like, we don't have anything to say. You come <laughs> up here right now and you talk to them about the games. Yes. Okay. Oh, God. Uh, now we're going to talk about Gearbox. Ugh. I'll be honest. I didn't this... watch Gearbox, so I'll let you guys talk about it. I didn't and watch it. I was just busy, you, you and then I found, out, I found no. out later it was okay, okay that I missed it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to briefly mention what happened. So there's like, oh my God, Randy Pitchwood. For the CEO of Gearbox, yeah, the creepy magician. Yeah, yeah, he's he's kind of creepy. Um, but like from what he's done, yeah, I got yeah, the flash drive and all that. Yeah, yeah. Um, but he was strolling around the set of the Borderlands movie, and he was pestering everyone. And like you could tell from the interviews he was doing that, like they did not want to be there. They did not want to talk to this guy. They were just like that. Fight the, the, so like for them this guy's bugging them at work and they're yeah, just like get yeah, out of my yeah. hair like the the just um the facial expressions just said it all i know? saw your kevin hart meme that was really funny <laughs> yeah kevin, kevin hart didn't want to talk to Ke- him kevin hart's is looking at the sc- at the camera going like what the fuck like why is this why, why am i here what, what's going on <laughs> 
<laughs> and then there was like like this really strange kind of video editing going on around it that was very immature and yeah, I don't know. It's... It reminded me of the Disney Channel uh, movie surfers. Remember that? <laughs> Remember that weird editing style where it just kind of chopped. Yeah. It was choppy. Yeah, it reminded me of that. Like the few seconds I saw. But I would say that whole like it went on and on. Like it went on for like eight minutes, and then they showed a little, uh, a few things uh, from the presentation, and they went back to him with Kevin Hart. <laughs> like later on, and we were uh, everyone who was watching went like oh my god <laughs> so yeah the that that whole interview uh with the people that are making the movie was just like the most awkward thing i've ever seen from e3 even more awkward than the konami stuff i'd say also the the godfall <laughs> announcements really weird like i don't yeah. know what, even if that was going to happen i don't understand why that was an e3 thing like that that that's that's like something that could have been a press release uh godfall is coming to ps4 that was the announcement they made and there's going to be an expansion um, coming towards it as well. Um, and then, lastly, they kept bringing this up like three or four times during the presentation. It was just hilarious. It's uh, Homeworld 3 is in production. <laughs> they treated it like a big deal. <laughs> it was just, it was funny. Um, but I guess you have to take my word for it. Um, I would rate this as an F. This was awful. Absolutely press, awful. Press F, if I could give an F minus, I would give it an F minus. It's probably the worst E3 presentation of all time. It's it's terrible. It's absolutely terrible. And they have very little to announce. Um, so at least Konami had stuff to show um, in 2010. Um, so next up, I hope you guys have watched this one. Uh, Devolver. Um, they had a really cool e free showing oh Once yeah again, I like, there's a lot that they were making fun of the industry as well amazing. <laughs> they were making they were making amazing. fun of like the xbox game pass and stuff like that and, they uh, had uh it was called really uh devolver max pass plus and it was a <laughs> it was a it's a free subscription service that lets you buy games yeah and they, they and then every time they announced the game it was like premium purchase <laughs> like it was so good uh so I don't, I don't know. Did any games from Devolver stand out to you? Um, yeah, for for me, definitely. Um, I I I didn't know what to expect going into it. I don't know if that if that affected it for me at all. You know what I mean? Like, I I, I don't know if there were leaks or anything. But if there were, I didn't see anything. But um, I really like. You've actually got the ones down that I'm really excited about. Uh, Inscription looks really cool yeah. to me. It's like a deck building roguelite game, but then like it also seems like you're in like Saw because there's like weird fucking escape room puzzle type stuff. I don't know. It looks cool. Um, and then also uh, Death's Door uh, looks mm. really really cool, and I cannot wait to play that. And that's like a top down kind of um, Zelda like kind of experience where you're like um, using your sword against enemies, and it's kind of like it's got got this like gothic art style. It looks really cool. And the like the premise, you're like a crow collecting souls or something. I don't know. It just yeah. look, it just looks weird. I can't wait to play that. Looks sweet. And then Track to Yomi looked gorgeous. It's it looked like um a ghost of Tsushima um in uh in two D, um and it had like this very, very striking black and white art style. Um yeah, I, I I'm I'm looking forward to that one too. Uh, so yeah, was there anything um from Devolver that you're interested in, Abram? So I didn't, this is one of the other few showcases. I, I watch almost all of them, but this one, I, 
I've never seen any of Devolver's showcases. It's kind of like it's kind of like Blaze Ball, where I don't know what it is and I'm afraid to ask. So I, <laughs> I kind of I I love Devolver as a publisher. I think they do excellent work. Um, and the titles look good. I will probably play most, if not all, of them when they release. But you know, E3 is very busy, and I only have so much time to watch yeah, and, and write right. and cover stuff. So unfortunately, I had to make some cuts somewhere. But Death Store, I'm definitely going to play. Of those, it's definitely the one I'm most interested in. And uh, I think I'll have a preview up of Death Store um, on uh, some sort of website. I think it's going to be on Retroware, but I'll also talk about it on uh, Active Quest later. Uh, I, for me, that was that was an A. I mean, there was nothing. There was nothing. Um, their 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 humor, take it like whether you like it or not. It it was wrapped into it well, and pacing was pretty good and the games were good so i think it might be a preference thing and maybe everyone doesn't like the games but i mean like as far as what they're there to do they did it and it was a good show yeah i would go the same way um every game they showed was intriguing um and, and they knew when to be um, quiet to a lot of these conferences don't know they just keep going and go and it's like no that's that's all you got stop there's no there's nothing else to say exactly, exactly. yeah yeah um so let's move on to the big daddy of them all xbox and bethesda's uh showcase um they they just came out swinging with the first announcement starfield um uh, the the next rpg from the, the guys who made skyrim and uh fallout 3 fallout 4 whatever um starfield is gonna come out on november 11th yeah 2022 i thought that was a couple years away that was really shocking to me to see november 2022 yeah, I'm excited. Yeah, I, I love I love sci-fi. Um, but my thought about Starfield is the same as my thought about almost all of these games. I don't need to see them. I don't need trailers. I don't need anything because Xbox is playing a fundamentally different game than everybody else. E3 is a marketing machine. It's about it's about generating hype. It's about generating interest. But all these games are coming to Game Pass. I already have access to every game they they talked about today. So for me. A, a critique I saw a lot of for the, for the showcase as a whole, and specifically Starfield, was, but where, but what did, they didn't show us anything, right? But ultimately, it's a new Bethesda IP. It's in space, and I already have access to it through Game Pass. Yeah, so I don't need to me, decide if I'm going to buy it. I yeah, can play it. Yeah. The, the, the hype, the the interest comes from now me trying it myself. So I think that to show my hand about the entire press conference, Microsoft showed up and did exactly what they needed to do. They told us why you should be in their ecosystem and why you should always have a renewed Game Pass subscription. So I was really impressed. Um, For me, I want to get convinced by Xbox. I want to see gameplay. I want to see, you know, these big titles come into Xbox Game Pass so it can convince me to finally get an Xbox Series S or X. You know, I I want to get into that that, um, ecosystem. And I want them to, like, bring me in. Like, it's so compelling. It's so appealing. But there's only so much I can do with my PC. <laughs> you know? So I, I really want them to show stuff. And they're beginning to do that. And uh, I'm excited for the future of Xbox. I really liked VGC's uh, article. They had an article that was uh, basically Xbox. But I forgot the exact wording. It was better than I'm going to butcher it. But it was like Xbox showed up ready to fight, but their opponent wasn't there or something. Like... <laughs> they 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 were they 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 put on a really good show. In fact, I saw a lot of people that are usually kind of indifferent to Xbox that were like, "Right on, this was cool." Um, I know we'll see something from PlayStation soon, but it was just kind of. I think it was kind of telling 
And it kind of showed what we might see this generation, which is Xbox is ready. They've got what people want to play and PlayStation's in the corner being quiet about what's coming out soon. And they're kind of doubling down on, and I, I like PlayStation. I just am pointing out the, the difference I'm seeing. PlayStation's like quadrupling down on these giant experiences. Whereas on Xbox, the show, I saw a variety of experiences. I saw, you know, all kinds of different things that are coming. And to me, that's more compelling than we've got the best action adventure camera behind the character games out there, which I like those games. I've got a statue, the last of us part two, right behind me, but it's just, you know, I, I, I like the Xbox is like a, it's like a candy machine. Like, I don't know what I'm going to get. And it's all in game pass. That's really compelling to me. And uh, I like that. No, they're, they're correct. Like it is the most diverse lineup in gaming right now. Um, there's all sorts of different things. Like you wouldn't expect Psychonauts 2 to be published by Sony, right? Like Xbox is bringing out these unique games while also releasing AAA titles. Like we used to see that from PlayStation five to ten years ago, but now Xbox is doing that. And I'm glad you brought that up because yeah, a lot of these games I would I, I would have expected these to be on PS4 if it was earlier, like 12 minutes. That would have been a PS4 game. Yeah, Psychonauts, same thing. Party Animals, same thing. Like. Somerville, same thing. Like these, these are the kinds of experiences that I used to get, you know, from PlayStation. Um, I think I'm the only Halo fan here, so I'm just gonna say Halo Infinite looks. Oh, you are too, Abram. Okay, I love Halo. Uh, doesn't this look great? I'm, I'm really excited for this. Uh, so I have played very little Halo multiplayer. I love the campaigns. I'll just run those campaigns all day. Yeah. And so I, I really like the narrative concept of a new AI construct replacing Cortana. Uh. And it's like they were kind of afraid to replace her for a while. So I'm glad that they're, they're kind of jumping, you know? Yeah, I, I, I think that the 343 games, in my opinion, got better because I think 5 was 343 stepping out of Bungie's shadow and making their own Halo experience. Yeah. And now that they're returning so much the tenets of earlier Bungie Halo games, I'll be interested to see if they can retain their own identity. And for me, what we what we saw was was a really great fusion um, and from the people I, I know who, who I follow and listen to who are more multiplayer integrated, it was a great showcase. So on the whole, I think, I really think that 343 really showed up. Yeah. Yeah, I do too. Uh, I, the, the biggest thing that I'm excited about with the multiplayer too, as someone who plays a bunch of the Halo multiplayer, is that 4 and 5 had good multiplayer. They just didn't feel like Halo multiplayer. And this looks like Halo multiplayer. So it's like... It's kind of like a return to... It looks like they're uh, trying to be creative and different in the areas that make sense to. But then they're holding on to what makes sense to hold on to. Kind of like uh, God of War 2018. Like, it was different, but it was also God of War. And that's important. What I found exciting about the gameplay was that the inclusion of the grappling hook. Oh, that's so cool. Like, grappling things on the ground, you know, like uh, stray weapons, like grenades... You, you name it, you know, I, I, I thought it looked uh, super cool and like it added to the kind of like the flow of the game that's usually like pretty stiff, right? It's yeah. the synthesis of like the Halo 3 sandbox with the faster Halo 4, Halo 5 uh, enhanced mobility style, but in the in, in a way that those two, I, two identities don't feel like they're uh, at odds with each other. It, it feels yeah. like it really was carefully decided what element from each game should come back. I am the my my one point of concern is that we didn't get a release date, and I I am nervous about this one slipping. Um, I feel which like they can. Be a bummer. I I feel like here's what I think they did. I think that they probably could have released this in the spring, 
I feel like they probably gave themselves extra time to make sure that they hit it is, is, is what I'm thinking. Because if they, here's where I'm, where I'm coming from with that. If they could have released it uh, at, at the series XS launch, but they didn't, that tells me that like, this was ready to go then, but they're just making it better. You know what I mean? So I, that's the only reason I'm not as nervous about it, but yeah, I do wish they would have been like, Hey, this is coming out November 5th, 2021 instead of just holiday. But I don't I, know. I think we don't have a release date yet because like all hands are on deck of that game. That's what I've been hearing um, from Jeff Grubb. The team looks so, tired. Everybody that yeah. was on screen talking about Halo looked exhausted. <laughs> yeah, they look knackered. Yeah, so. uh, Redfall. I know we got to move on, but I want to bring up Redfall. Redfall looks, re- I think that's the one I'm most excited about. Probably outside of 12 minutes, uh, Somerville and Halo. Like, I, I know I, I meant, I almost just said Halo, but then I jammed those two in because I'm really excited about those. But yeah. Redfall looks really exciting. I know that, Chris, I know you like gameplay. I know we didn't get gameplay, but like, yeah. it's coming out next summer. So we're probably going to get gameplay soon. I feel like they probably just didn't want to let this show go without being like, oh, and guess what we're working on? Like, this looks fucking yeah, cool. I know. It's just like, I love the concept. Like, some fighting, um, fighting vampires in rural kind of us that's kind of a cool idea yeah like all the different powers that they displayed were interesting especially the magic user um that's definitely gonna be my class um that's yeah redfall is an exciting new ip that's what we need more in the industry is like new ip that's like triple a but i feel like it's gonna be like another game like outriders or destiny or you know like another live service kind of multiplayer title what gives me hope is arcane austin like they're the ones that made dishonored and prey like if you just showed me this trailer i would assume it was an upcoming bioware game and i love bioware but i also am afraid of bioware because i know what they're unfortunately also capable of doing because of ea's leadership and you know tight you know fist or whatever around around their their uh stuff but like the fact this is coming from the guys who made Prey and Dishonored makes me like, oh, this is probably going to be really like stylish and like slick. Yeah. And I don't know. Yeah, it could be really cool. Uh, Abram, any any uh, standouts for you? The uh, so yeah, so Halo is a big standout for me. Obviously, Starfield, um, Jack Sparrow, and Sea of Thieves. I am a huge Pirates of the Caribbean yes. fan since I was little, and I was reacting to this with Tucker, and the trailer starts, and I go. She sounds like Tia Dalma. And he goes, what the <laughs> hell are you talking about? And then I felt very vindicated and very excited when, when that got confirmed. So that was super cool. Um, but but I think perhaps the biggest standout uh, from the indie side certainly was Replaced. That really yeah. stunning um, cyberpunk-inspired HD 2D-looking title. Uh, I love that aesthetic. I think that's so compelling. So that was another standout for me. For me... Um, Battlefield 2042 looked outstanding. It looks so like, good. I, it looks so good. Like the fidelity is amazing, but also I love the hook of like the 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 storm kind of raging through the map. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like Levolution, I guess. They brought that back from Battlefield three or four. And, For a long uh, time, it kind of felt like, oh yeah, let's see what Battlefield's doing. It won't be on the same level as Call yeah. of Duty, but like feels like now they're like competing again. That's exciting. Yeah, yeah, I think they are, and uh, I. Correct me if I'm wrong, but is this going to be a battle royale as well? Is this going to have a mode dedicated to that? They didn't say battle royale. I think they actually said there wasn't a battle royale, but there's like something okay. similar with that storm. Like we don't know yeah. what, but what I think is going to happen is it's going to be kind of like a big death match that moves that that is 
for, that a storm is forcing people to move around a bigger map. That's what I think it's probably going to be. So it's probably going to capture some of Battle Royale energy, but they, I think they said it's not going to have a Battle Royale. Right. Um, I'm just going to run through the rest of these here. So uh, Forza Horizon 5 is set in Mexico. It releases November 9th, 2021. And um, I think it looks absolutely gorgeous. Yeah. Um, like, <laughs> like the graphics are absolutely insane. Like one-to-one from real life at this point. Um, you know, with the rock faces and like the multiple kind of different locations you'll you'll find in Mexico. Um, Contraband, uh, a new multiplayer co-op game from the Just Cause developer. Um, Yakuza Like a Dragons uh, is now on Xbox Game Pass. You can find it there. And Josh, Josh, answer my question for me. Uh, what is Xbox Game Pass? It's the best deal. <laughs> it is indeed. It used to be the best deal in gaming, but then they bought Bethesda, and it was like, okay, it's just the best deal. It's just the best deal. It's better than Netflix, right? I think so. Dude, Netflix is expensive now. It's like almost $20 a month. Oh, jeez, really? Yeah. <laughs> I don't wow. understand it. Wow. Yeah. Um, 12 Minutes. That's going to come out August 19th, 2021. Hades um, is finally heading to Xbox on August 13th, 2021. Wanted to mention this, too. Xbox Game Pass. That's also coming to PlayStation the same day. Yes, it is. Yep. And that's, that's fantastic. Um, and then Back for Blood huge title here is going to be on xbox game pass it's going to be it's similar to the likes of like left for dead um, see with a card basis i know exactly what abram was saying earlier i felt that too because when they were showing the gameplay i'm like well i don't need to see it i'm going to play it it's going to be on game pass <laughs> yeah like i don't you don't need to tell me anything else so it's good i'm just going to play it mm-hmm. like as soon as i hear it's on game pass i'm like okay i don't want to hear anything else about it because i'll just check it out you know yeah so, back from what looks good how would you rate this fellow Spartans? This was an A for me. A, yeah. Yeah this this was an this was an A conference for me, and and the reason is because this is finally the manifestation of what Microsoft has been moving towards. Especially if you if you pair this with some of the stuff that came out on the Xbox Wire earlier in the week about into being more focused on cloud gaming and making these other entry points into the ecosystem and lowering the walls a little bit. This was the component that has been missing, the games. Now we have the Microsoft money and the infrastructure and the content that's going to fuel it. Now we're in a situation where you're going to want, there's going to be one, at least one major tentpole title to subscribe to Game Pass for, whether that's Halo Infinite or your Forza or whatever. And then all of a sudden, here's 28 other games that make it really hard to turn off that auto-renew on Game Pass. You only need to get in once. The way I think about it is like, I have HBO Max right now, uh, so I could watch the Snyder Cut. But I don't cancel it because there's always just something else on, on the horizon that I want. And that's what they all, that's all that has to happen. It's got to be strung along. And I think Xbox did that. They showed me, yeah, I should be invested in this ecosystem. I should stay there. And that's really big. They came with a mission, and they accomplished it. Like, if you weren't that into games... Um, I think you could just get Xbox Game Pass and you'll be set for the rest of the year. Well, and also, they're, uh, this wasn't at the show, but like a few days before the show, they're working on a, a smart TV app. Like that's, yeah. That is brilliant. That's yeah. how you get everybody over the age of 60 into Game Pass. Because like <laughs> I can go to my parents and be like, hey, look, there's an app on your TV. Here's an Xbox controller. You can play games. And they're going to be like, what? Like I don't have to buy an expensive game. So that's, that's huge. Because like, you know, for you, me, and, and Abram, and a lot of other people, that like we work with and interface with 
we, we don't mind buying a game system. We know we're going to use it. But a lot of people, they're like at the store. You, you've seen them before. They're at Walmart or Target. They're looking at the games, but then they don't get anything just because they're like, this looks neat. But then they, you know, they see the the cost to entry and they're like, oh, I don't know. But yeah, that's the smart the smart TV thing is pretty big. Do you, do you think we'll ever see cloud um, games on uh, Xbox One? Yeah, they just talked about that. Uh, really? Microsoft Flight Simulator is going to be an Xbox One through the cloud. Wow, okay. They also talked on the Xbox Wire about this really compelling concept of like stream before you download, essentially, Oh, which is cool. so smart. I mean, because yeah. even now, having access to, to Game Pass on my Series S, yeah, I'd like to try this game, but also my Wi-Fi is not super fast, so maybe I would rather prioritize that bandwidth to something else. So again, having another way to lower the barriers between the player and the content is so important. And Xbox is just doing that. Again, because they have Microsoft's enorm- enormous purse behind them, which can fund this, which is why I don't think we really see it in anyone else's ecosystem, but it makes Xbox so unique. For me, PlayStation is a lot like Nintendo now, where I want to buy their system and play their games, but I don't want to do anything else on that system. Yeah. And that's not me putting down PlayStation. It's just, for me, PlayStation is PlayStation. Nintendo is Nintendo. Anything else, I'd rather do it over here because that's where I'm doing everything else anyway. Like Microsoft created such a compelling place to hang out that I just want to hang out there whenever I can. You know, I don't mind grabbing the, the Pro Controller or the PlayStation Controller to play on those systems, but like I'm not going to play something on there that's on Xbox for me. And I think what we're kind of seeing is for the last six or seven years, PlayStation's been working on like games. And then Xbox has been working on everything else while working on games. So like for a couple of years, it was like, yeah, we don't have the exclusives, but like, you know, we've got frame rates, we've got power and we've got the cloud and we've got this. They were kind of building everything else like competing with everything that PlayStation wasn't doing. And so they were able to kind of put up a, a almost like a defense against like Amazon Luna and Google Stadia, which Google Stadia mentioned that the Bethesda deals actually what really hurt Stadia too, because they were planning on doing a lot of stuff with Bethesda. It's just wow. like, it's really, it's really interesting because the, for, for me, both these systems complement each other so well. Like it's like Xbox isn't even competing with PlayStation. They're competing with everything else. And so I think having a PlayStation and an Xbox puts you in a really good spot. Yeah. Um, so I, I don't know how much time you have, Abram. Uh, I'm good. Chris, you got to rate it. You didn't rate it yet. Oh, I didn't rate it? Uh, no. Oh, dear. I've been trying to avoid it. Uh <laughs> Um, I would say B plus because I wanted more gameplay personally. I do want to quickly say too. I saw a lot of people online saying, "Well, it was only good because of Bethesda." That might be true, but that's Xbox now. So, like, that's yeah. not really something that you can really, you know, you can't really have that qualifier. Exactly. Yeah. You know, and but. like some of the Xbox Game Pass announcements were really cool. So, I'll be playing. Um, by the way, I'll be playing. Yakuza like a dragon over the next few weeks if I have oh, time for it's it. It's so good. Yeah, it's so yeah, good. I'm glad now that I didn't have to spend sixty bucks on it. So uh, Square Enix's show's next, yes. and that one was kind of weird for me because like I didn't like the show that much, but what they showed was good. Like Abram yeah. was talking earlier about how like Summer Game Fest like had some good stuff, but like the tenor was always or not always super for me, that's how Square Enix was a lot. I think the show is a disaster, frankly. <laughs> really? Yeah, really? I, yeah, um, I, I, I think that it completely missed the mark for its audience. I think that that square, I think that that Final Fantasy Pixel Collection was just not what it was. It was, it was a 
clear and strategic move, but not one that serviced its audience. I think that Final Fantasy Origins, not just from a graphical perspective, but just from like, like a systemic design perspective, looks like it's been percolating for like a decade. I really think that Guardians was the one thing here that really impressed me when, you know, we just saw Life is Strange. We just saw it back at the last, you know, Square Enix presentation. We just saw Blow on Marvel's Avengers and it's too late for that game. Hawkeye didn't push the needle. I don't think that this yeah. is going to either. I, I think that Square Enix just was, was came to show what they had irrespective of what the audience wanted. Almost like Nintendo does sometimes. We're like, yeah. like this is what we're doing. And it's like, well, I don't want to build stuff out of cardboard. Too bad. Yeah. Building stuff out of cardboard. Um, I don't understand. Can you guys, I don't know a lot about this. Maybe you guys can tell me. The Final Fantasy Pixel games, are those only coming to PC and mobile? Yes. Okay, I really want to play those on Switch. I don't want to play those on PC or mobile. The the yeah the the problem is that those games are available, albeit in in butchered versions uh, on PC and mobile, but they're nowhere to be found on PlayStation, Xbox, Nintendo. The systems where these games have lineages, you know, so yeah. it just it was just because I was really excited wrong. about that until they said PC mobile only, or at least that's what I understood at the time, and you confirmed yeah. it. I was like, well, wait, 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 I want to get the like I was waiting for that Switch logo. Like I want to play these on Switch. It just feels very corporate because I, I think if I have to think of like their point of view, like everyone who grew up with those games, like one to six, they're older now, you know? And they think, oh, well, that's, the, that's the casual audience, right? They, everyone, everyone who's in the casual audience has a PC. Everyone who is in the casual audience has a, has a mobile device, you know? Yeah, it does. That, that's that's, what I'm th- that, that's what, how I feel about it, yeah. Honestly, this this conference would have been gotten like been really like kind of more poor and for for me if it weren't for Guardians. I think Guardians looks absolutely yeah. incredible. That's a day one buy for me. I would as I was watching the trailer, I was like, why didn't the Avengers do this? Like this is what yeah. not not even just the games of service thing because that stuff can be done right. Like you know some games do like Destiny and stuff, but like I don't know like like the like the um, the presentation just didn't seem to be this good on, on Avengers. You know what I mean? Like this, this felt like they like just really poured in like on all the details and the characters and like, it just felt more convincing. Whereas the Avengers, when I, whenever I saw footage of it, it looked like people playing dress up as the Avengers. It didn't feel like the real thing. I don't know. Yeah. It, yeah. The, the Avengers had kind of like a weird feel to it, but I, I also feel like the story um, was a very, appealing like as Kamala Khan has this like coming of age story that was um yeah. super endearing you know it and just that, that's it what they like... should have focused on in the in the um marketing and the development of the game they shouldn't have gone for like this multiplayer games as a service title because you can't have loot with the superhero <laughs> yeah well and you before know? I assumed Disney like made them do that but then I'm seeing this game and I'm like well this clearly has been in development longer than the, you know, like for, for several years. So it's like Square Enix that they actively decide to do games of service with the Avengers. It's or maybe was this the concession? Disney said you can do a single player game like guardians, but you have to do, you know, I just really wish I could, we could know like what led to these two very different games coming from the same publisher. It's it just seems, really bizarre. Yeah. It seems to me like Avengers was, it was a corporate construction of let's greenlight this game when, Destiny is picking up and Division is picking up, but it was a flawed premise from the beginning. Uh, Chris, I totally agree with you. The concept of loot with a third-person superhero action title doesn't really fit. 
Crystal Dynamics was never the right team to make this game because, again, I played a little bit of Avengers and I thought that the story was pretty solid. Again, because that sort of action adventure is where Crystal Dynamics has cut its teeth yeah. on, the, on the Tomb Raider titles. And so it was just always a, a corporate mis- mismatch of developer and IP and structure. Uh, but when we look at Guardians, I think that things are a little bit more in harmony, right? Idos yeah. Montreal, I really enjoyed Shadow of the Tomb Raider. I think that they're going to really knock the third-person action format out of the park. I think that they were scared off by how poorly Avengers did. So we, we know no microtransactions, all kinds of things. That's out. Single-player focused game. My only concerns, and this is one of my games of the show, so they're, they're, they're concerns yeah. to post really red flags like when I first saw Avengers, is I want those narrative choices to matter. I don't want them to just be flavor. And I'm curious what's going to happen between combat and narrative beats. I hope that traversal is compelling. But on the whole, I think the game looks really strong. And like Josh said, it's a day one for me. Mm -hmm. And um, I saw some criticism over like how it looks like, like the gameplay was a little laggy at times. Uh, But I think that's a really bad kind of like criticism to make at this point, because once again, it's early. Four months is when they, the last four months is when they finally put polish on Plus, what we saw is probably a build from like two months ago or something. You know, yeah. like the way that this, this stuff works, they, they put this together while they were still working on the game. Exactly. And I, I feel like, yes, we can criticize it when it comes out. But right now, I don't think we should. I, I, I think, yeah, I, I, I don't think that's particularly fair on the developers. Also, uh, people keep doing that, and guess what? If you guys keep criticizing games because they don't look perfect when they're still being made, that's how you get reveal trailers with logos. Developers aren't going to keep showing you games that are a work in progress if you go, hey, that looks like a work in progress. They're thinking, yeah, no shit. Like, that's what always happens to them. Like, they're kind of damned either way. They show the game, and it's it's bad. It's shit. It's garbage. It doesn't look good. They don't show the game, and it's like, oh, you didn't even show the game. And, like, no matter what, these developers are, like, stuck. And I just feel bad for them because... No matter what they do, they'll throw an alpha tag at the bottom of the screen and say this is not a this is not what it looks like when it comes out, and people will still speculate like, oh, I don't know if I'm going to buy that because it doesn't look finished, and it just it drives me crazy because, like I said, the same people that do that are the same ones that are like, what, no gameplay? Not always, but you know, a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. And uh, it seems like it has a great story as well from what we've been shown with the trailer and the gameplay footage so far. Like, like it feels like. Um, they've got the comedy correct. What's the like what's the DC game one. coming out? The Suicide Squad? Is that what it Suicide is? Suicide Squad kill the, the Justice, Justice League. League. Yeah, and what's the other one? Uh, Gotham Knights. Team. Gotham Knights. Yeah. yeah. This 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 looks like it's going to be even better than those, but those look really cool too. Like I, I'm I'm excited. I was worried for a while. I thought we were just going to get the Avengers and stuff like that. And I'm not trying to just like put that game down. It's just I want to see games like Guardians. You know, I want to see these exciting big narrative like this is what i want i mean these it's they're, they're, they're based off comic books like we've got like decades of stories to pull from let's make them into games like so i don't know I, i'm excited that uh, about the possibilities alone you know just from seeing this game mm-hmm. um i'm not very ha- um excited for the possibilities of this next game here babylon's fall it looks pretty atrocious like just from the watercolor kind of like painterly style mm-hmm. um, to kind of like the generic looking combat. I don't know. It just, I, I'm not a fan of this one. I'm not either. I, I think that Platinum is such a skilled developer that is that would probably benefit from 
maybe a more rigid production schedule where, where we weren't working on a, a billion games with different sub teams. You know, I, I think that you, you look at, let's go from Astral Chain to, you know, a wonderful 101 to this and all of the different projects. And Platinum makes games that are largely good to great, but could be excellent if we just had a little bit more focus. And And I just feel like Babylon's Fall is both the excess of that problem and also another instance like with the Avengers where we're going after this games as a service model, which probably is not what where Platinum's wheelhouse is. So I, I'm concerned about it for sure. I think we're at that point where everyone's found their games as a service title and doesn't want to pick up anything else. No, it's just like the MMO kind of craze, you know, with uh, when World of Warcraft came out, everyone wanted to make their own MMO, but they didn't pick up any other MMOs because they're super into World of Warcraft still. Yeah. Same thing with Destiny, too. Oh, here comes a big Destiny killer, and you look yeah. over, and everyone's still playing Destiny. It's like, I don't know. I don't think <laughs> it's going to kill Destiny. So do you think Babylon's Fall is going to be all that bad? I'm sure it's going to be fine. I just... And I think that's yeah, the problem. I just don't understand. Yeah, it just looks kind of... It doesn't look very special. It just kind of looks... I don't know. Yeah, and if you're making a live service title, you have to put it out the back <laughs> first uh, day one, right? So, yeah, I don't think this is going to do very well. Um, especially if it's like to the same quality of The Legend of Korra or, you know, uh, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Isn't Platinum making it? Why aren't they making Bayonetta 3? Aren't they working yeah, on that? Yeah, like Platinum is has multiple teams on different stuff. So Okay, well they should cancel this game and they should make Bayonetta 3 come out <laughs> sooner. Right? I agree. I agree. And that was That's exactly what, what Abram's point was, and I, I have to agree. Um last one that kind of disappointed as well. Stranger of Paradise, Final Fantasy Origin. It's gonna come to all major platforms in twenty twenty two. Um a demo was kind of released, but it doesn't work I like it says it's corrupted is it fixed now i thought today i, I was seeing people I saw people fixed. posting stuff about it i think it's working now it's working okay but it was kind of a weird release it, yeah it wasn't at the same time when it came out yeah the trailer said the demo is coming soon but then it came out the same day so it wasn't soon and then once people downloaded the, the demo it was corrupted so it was like a pr disaster wasn't it and then you have this trailer which kind of looks like Devil May, like makes this game that like Devil May Cry. Um, it has like that punk attitude to it that you'd see from that kind of game, and then it tries to like mutate that with Final Fantasy One kind of like storylines. So it doesn't really make sense. Like you have this like big fantasy world, like the classic fantasy kind of game, mixed in with this like edgy kind of like emo um cast the characters you know it's it's kind of strange um and i didn't think the combat looked particularly good either so uh, what do you guys think of this chaos my problem was that it looks more dmc than devil may cry 5 i i, yeah. I think that we're in an era where character action games have gotten so high fidelity so fast so stylish that it didn't really look like that to me. And the initial leak suggested that this was going to be more Souls drawing on, you know, the, the Neo um, influence, but I didn't really see that either. It just seems like it's trapped in a space between spaces that feels old. Again, I'd like, yeah. I'd like to try the demo because I invite Final Fantasy to try new ideas in terms of tone and everything and style, but it just doesn't look like the execution is there to support the concept, in my opinion. 
Yeah, and the character designs are very strange as well. Like the main characters just wearing a plain black shirt. Yeah. That you could get. Like I laughed my ass off. I think it was like Maximilian dude or something. He said that it looked like he came straight from Old Navy. (laughs) (laughs) Oh yeah, that was. Um. So yeah, that's. I don't know. I don't know about this game, but I will try the demo and we'll uh, talk about it later on the um on the podcast probably next week. Um, I'm going to just run through this next one here. Oh, wait. Uh, score. D. 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 Yeah, I, I'd give it a D too. Cause if they would have just shown Guardians and then walked away, then it would have been A. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, it's okay to not show stuff. You don't need to go, hey, remember Life is Strange? We told you about that yesterday. Well, now we're talking they, about it again. They did show off uh, the remastered collection for the first time and looked really quite stunning, actually. So... I'm excited for that, uh, but I would give it a D as well. Yeah, so just I I'm I'm trying to imagine people looking at the remaster that didn't play the original game and going, "This is improved," because I love Life is Strange, but the graphics and stuff in the first game definitely aren't you know super strong. Yeah. Like it, it, I'm saying, it does look better, but like that tells you how bad the original <laughs> game kind of looked. But. So some neat things that came from uh, limited run games. Uh, plumbers don't wear ties gets a physical and digital release this year on Switch, PC, and PS4. It was like this really horrendous FMV game, um, that wasn't actually a video, it was like a slideshow, and it had this like awful kind of it's, it's probably the worst game of all time. It's like if I had to compare it to film, it would probably be the room of uh video games. That's that's, that's how fair. bad it yeah, is. Yeah, it's. People that are buying this definitely aren't excited to play it. They're no, just no. Like, oh, that's funny. <laughs> but like, I checked on eBay. It's like five hundred US dollars or something like that Jeez. to buy. <laughs> Maybe that's like, why this is happening. Limited right. runs. Like, you know what? We'll let you buy it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of like a cult hit because the angry video game nerd. I'll probably it. grab a digital copy just because it's funny. But I'm not going to like <laughs> throw like a big chunk of money limited run right. over a physical copy. And then uh, Castlevania Rondo of Blood is getting a re-release on the Turbo Duo, which is sick. I, I, I think this is awesome that Limited Run Games is bringing back, like, Japanese, previously Japanese Do you guys want to know why that's happening? The US? Why? I'll tell you why that's happening. Jeremy Parrish, uh, formerly of US Gamer, and he's, he, he does a lot of, like, uh, writing for various websites, but he started working at Limited Run uh, Games a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. And, uh, he does a lot of their Twitch stuff too. But anyway, he's been talking for like for a while, like, oh, I can't wait to let you guys know what we're working on. Like he's been pushing for this stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Because Limited Run used to be kind of like a wouldn't it be neat if Boogerman had a release? Remember that game? Whereas now it's like, hey, do people actually want a physical copy of this, you know, this this old cool game? Like, you know, it's kind of expanding. Cause it, it for a long time it was like this game that just came out. Do you want a physical copy? That's neat. Like, but now we're getting like physical copies of games that like haven't had a physical copy in forever like that's that's pretty exciting and zombies ate my neighbors is going to be one too um yeah. yeah so that's that's really cool um and then briefly river city girls 2 and river city girls 0 are coming the yes the latter is actually uh, another japan exclusive game that's going to come that's going to release over in North America and the the Western territories, so that's awesome. It looks kind of like a like a remake, right? Like it's meant to look like older. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, no, no, it's an original kind of game, uh, River City Girls Zero. Um, mm. 
yeah, it was it was an actual retro game. So oh okay, yeah, I didn't know that. That's cool. Uh, so let's just move on to the big, big uh, <laughs> company that uh, we all care about the most, um, Nintendo Direct. Um, where they had like a, quite a big showing. So I'm just going to run through this Tech Radar article here by Samuel Tolbert and uh, Nick Pino. Um, so the first thing that came up was Kazuya. Uh, is coming to Super Smash Bros. Ultimate. Um, he's from Tekken. I know Abram, you don't haven't ever played a Tekken game from watching your video on this. Um, like, it, like personally for me, it's exciting because it's a character from a franchise I've ever actually played, <laughs> and uh, the music of Tekken is absolutely awesome. So, like, I'm hoping we'll hear some tracks like Infinite Azure, Moonlight Serenade, that kind of stuff. Um, and his his moveset looks sick too. Like, um, I, I love this fighting game. Love that uh, Sakurai's bringing to the game. Like, it's no Sora, it's no Rayman, but I'll take it. <laughs> so, uh, Josh, I know you don't care for Super Smash, Smash Brothers either, but is this it? Are they doing more? They're doing one more. Doing okay. one more. People thought it was going to be the uh, two pack, but nah, nah, <laughs> it's okay. just the one. Um, but I think this deconfirms Lloyd Irving um, that people were hoping for, like from Tales of Symphonia. And they, there's one costume from the Wii U that hasn't been added to the Ultimate yet. So I think the last character is Sakurai. He uploads his soul <laughs> into the game's servers, and that's how he retires slash dies. Oh my god. He just goes, I'm going to rest now, and then he just goes into the game. Uh, to the Lloyd point, I would imagine that that costume will probably come back as one of the Mii Fighter costumes that accompanies uh, this character into the game. And I, again, don't know anything about Tekken, don't have much of an opinion, but Bandai Namco is so intrinsically tied to the development of this game and so important to Nintendo right now with new Pokemon Snap. And it's it's a long-standing relationship they've had dating back to things like Star Fox Assault and the Mario baseball game. So I'm glad they got another rep in Smash, even if it doesn't resonate with me. Do you think it they could end with two Bandai characters? I think that they as a thank you, they could, which would be cool. But I, I, I my supposition is that it's either going to be a Capcom rep or it's going to be someone like a Crash Bandicoot. I think it has the like. I know the other season passes and the other games haven't ended spectacularly well uh, with the character choices, but I feel like if this is going to be the last character in Smash, maybe ever. Like because of Sakurai saying like he won't be part of it from now on, um, yeah, I think it has to be huge. We'll see. Like a crash or a Sora or I don't know Master Chief. Like it has to be like pretty groundbreaking. Uh, so next thing, uh, Super Monkey Ball Collection is coming to Switch. Uh, it's going to be revitalized versions of the classic, uh, the, uh, the first three classic games. Uh, I'm excited to see this. Um, yeah, I've never played those, but I've always wanted to. Yeah. Um, I remember seeing it on like G4 when I was a kid, and I didn't have a GameCube, so I, I couldn't play it. But this is pretty cool. I, I really want to play, the, play these. I'll grab this for sure. But yeah, I think it's going to come to all platforms. It was leaked on Brazilian um, classification board. So mm. I think it's not just going to be Switch. It's going to be on like PS5, Xbox, PC, wherever you play games, pretty much. Yeah, it's coming everywhere uh, for a budget price. Uh, I think it's thirty nine nice. ninety nine. 
Um, yeah. So I got a press release about this from Sega several days ago, back when it was under embargo. So I just started shouting oh. at the at the other CBR editors about it, who just were not appropriately excited for this. I love Monkey <laughs> Ball. I absolutely adore this franchise. I the, the games eventually walked over to PS2, which is where I played them as a kid, and have since gotten the GameCube versions. I think these are such incredibly inventive and polished platformers of the great world. And this is going to be the best way to experience them. It's it's the modern presentation of something like a Banana Blitz HD, but with actual good games backing it up. And uh, as I wrote about for CBR, this opens up a really awesome opportunity for a Crash Bandicoot-esque resurgence where we go from a collection of the older titles and pivot that hopefully sales success into a, a new fourth game, um, ignoring all of the mediocrity that, that happened in the middle, similar to Crash Bandicoot. So we'll see. But I'm really optimistic about this collection. Yeah, and like, I think there's popularity among the public consciousness for this series because I think the one of the first successful mobile titles on iOS was a Super Monkey Ball game. So I, I, I think there's that love there, um, and I think it's going to do well personally, um, and I'm excited to play it. <laughs> um, something else I'm excited for is uh, a new P- Mario Party game coming out this year called Mario Party Superstars. Um, it's going to have a bunch of old uh, mini games in there, and it's going to have several maps from the N64 era with mini games from across the series into a new refined experience. So it's going to be the first Mario Party game that's going to be online from day one, uh, and that's very exciting. Um, and it's going to come out on October 29th. I'm really excited. Uh, I, yeah, I, yeah. I, yeah, I believe it or not, I'm really excited for this new Nintendo game coming out. <laughs> but um, <laughs> so ah, you aren't a Nintendo fan, are you? I believe not. I'm a little uh, bit of a fan. You're into Halo, right? Yeah, like yeah, I'm more of a more of an Xbox guy. But but no, I think this game is really important <laughs> for several reasons. I think from a macro level. ND Cubed has been trying to find its footing with this franchise, and it got closer with Super Mario Party. It was a good foundation, but it was just fairly vapid in terms of content. Um, and clearly, this seems like an interstitial title between uh, Super Mario Party 1 and then 2, which I'd assume is going to come next year, year after, considering how prolific the series is. So as an interstitial title to get a better handle on board design, I think this is really great, because board design has always been lacking with ND Cubed, but having to go back in and fundamentally understand to retool these N64 boards. I think they're, they're going to be able to get the practice they need to implement their own really crazy boards that I know that they can make, but they just need that practice first. But on a subjective level, uh, my girlfriend is studying abroad in Spain next uh, fall. So this is going to be a really fun title for us to play together now, now that it nice. has online from day one. So for a lot of different reasons, I'm I'm super pumped for this game. Yeah. Uh, Josh, do do you have any history with uh, Mario Party, and are you excited for this? Uh, I've played the I played the GameCube and Switch ones with my wife, and and we 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 I love and hate the Switch one. Like, there's a lot of good things with it, but there's also a lot of like Nintendo does that. Like every like third Mario Party game, you're like, there's a bunch of stuff. You're like, why did you do this? Um, of course, one of the biggest issues with the Switch one was the online, and they fixed that later. But anyway, um, I'm, I'm excited for this. This looks like kind of a, a fun little greatest hits package, which they did on the 3DS a few years ago, and I was really confused about that because it, when it came out and everything, like it came out too late, I think, for the 3DS. So this yeah. is, you know, this is super. I'm, I'm going to grab this. This looks really good. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they briefly mentioned Mar- Metroid 
Prime 4. There's m- not much information to go off there. They just said they, they're still working on it. Um, but Metro fans did get a nice little present uh, through uh, Metroid 5, um, otherwise called Metroid Dread. Uh, this, as someone who hasn't played a Metroid game that much before, um, is very exciting to me. Like I, I like I like how it's realized into HD. Um, the melee combat looks slick and smooth. Um, I I love the guns that are presented. I like the little puzzles and like the, the mechanics they've added into the game through um, some sort of gravity kind of like I don't know, like Samus can grab onto balls and then stick onto them. Like there's it, a lot of cool stuff going on. Uh, Abram, uh, how about you? Um, well, I put up a reaction to this on, on the Backlog Banter YouTube <laughs> channel, um, which will speak for itself if anyone wants to go watch it. But this game is like so perfect for what the Metroid community wants that it almost seems unreal. For, for mm-hmm. people in your audience that might not be familiar, Metroid Dread is a title, a conceit that has been percolating and rumored since 2005 about wow. um, back when... A, a direct sequel to Fusion, the GBA title, made a little bit more sense. It was 19 years hadn't passed yet. Uh, so to see not only a new 2D Metroid, but have it be Metroid 5, continuing the story, <laughs> and have it be Metroid Dread is so incredible. It, it is such a realization of what fans have wanted for so long. Plus, it's not only drawing from this lineage of, of ideas from the past, um, and, and old narrative concepts and everything, but it's being modernized by Mercury Steam, who made the exemplary Samus Returns and really found a way to make Samus feel fluid in in the modern context. Now that the Metroidvania genre is even bigger than it was in 2017, and we see an even more fluid Samus here, the, the pieces are all lining up for not only a game that is so perfect for fans, but could really put Metroid back on the map in terms of popularity and resonance in a way that the series desperately needs. Um, I think that this could be a more important title uh, than Metroid Prime 4. I think that this is a yeah. significant, significant game for Nintendo, and I'm so glad it's four months away. It just excites me because it seems like Nintendo is more interested in reviving its older IPs now that you know they've gone through Mario. Um, they're they're going to have a new Zelda, but like they can't just keep relying on the same three or four franchises. So it's nice to see them just looking into other kind of IP they have and work on it, right? Because this is going to be the first 2D entry in the series in nearly 20 years. Yeah, apparently like the last one came out in the Game Boy Advance. Like that's oh my god, that's that's how long it's been. Like the last right. 2D one, right? The last new one, yes, because we did have Samus Returns as like a. Uh, oh yeah that's right yeah uh so that's gonna come out on october 8th uh which is much sooner than we thought it would and then there's gonna be two new amiibo uh one for samus and one for uh the new robot character called emmy that surprised me more than the game reveal itself was like oh not only is it coming out but it's coming out this year like you know i was expecting it to end with like you know 2022 20 or no release date at all you know, but instead it's like it's coming out in four months. That's just, I'm so excited. So I'm, I'm just going to zip through these because we're really running on time. Um, WarioWare uh, is going to get, um, WarioWare is coming back uh, with uh, Get It Together. 
it's going to have a bunch of mini games again it's it seems like that perfect game if you if you want to get <laughs> if if you want to brighten your day and uh, joseph yaden is very very happy about this it's going to come out on september 10th 2021 and yeah day one by. yeah yeah um this was a surprise um advance wars is getting a reboot um so both uh, one and two uh, from the GBA era are coming back. Um, it has new visuals. Um, it looks pretty gorgeous with its anime kind of art style. And that's coming to the Nintendo Switch on December 3rd, 2021. Uh, Danganronpa, uh, the franchise, is coming to Switch. Um, it's going to be in a three-game collection called Danganronpa Decadence. That's coming out later this year. Um, and then... <laughs> I like this joke from Tech Wrapped uh, Tech Radar. This is the only new hardware Nintendo showed off. <laughs> uh, it's a Game and Watch uh, for the Legend oh. of Zelda, so you'll be able yeah. to play the NES game um, portably. Um, but it's the well, first and, game. And... It's going to be Legend of yeah. Zelda Two: The Adventure of Link and the original Game Boy version of Link's Awakening. Um, and Which, this is kind why of why didn't they do that for Mario? They just did the first game for Mario. I was really yeah. surprised they didn't do a couple of NES Mario games, you know? Yeah, it's kind of strange, actually, now I think about it. But yeah, that makes me want to grab this, because that's that's three good games right there. Yeah, and uh, we'll have those weird kind of Panasonic games, too. Just kidding. But those aren't <laughs> included. Um, on top of that, uh, there's a fourth Game & Watch game included called Vermin. Uh, that's on there that has been re- remastered for Link as the main character. It's going to come out on November twelfth for forty nine ninety nine, and then the biggie, the big daddy of the of the direct, um, Breath of the Wild two, uh, was was shown off again. The sequel is going to take place in like this um, land in the skies uh, above uh, Hyrule. Um, we, there's like a bunch of new abilities, like uh, being able to use fire blasts. Um, being able to warp through kind of like walls, um, it's it, it seems really fun. It's gonna have like this big, vast open world. You know, there's and like it seems like a bit darker than it was before because Zelda was taken by the darkness. Link's lost his arm. You know, there's there's all sorts of things going on with this. So um, and and also like when he was in the sky, did you realize like his hair was like super rugged and stuff? He like had that? sex hair. Yeah, Link fucks. <laughs> Link Fox confirmed. Oh dear. Yeah. Uh, hey, hey, what, did, what did you think of this? Um, Not the sex hair to get the game. Um, well, I want to know what he thinks of the sex hair. Well, I, I think that that's a really key component of Link's character that hasn't been explored before. So I'm, I'm, the I'm sex hair? Yeah, I, I think that's really yeah. bold of Ian Newman to take him in that direction. Yeah. Um, but no, I think the game looks fine. Uh, I, I am, I am, I am skeptical about Breath of the Wild sequel. I, uh, when the sequel got announced, it was the narrative was, oh, it's the Majora's Mask sequel to to Ocarina of Time in the, in the sense of we're going to reuse assets, we're going to reuse the world, we're going to flip a sequel quickly. But now we're at the point where it's time for a brand new Zelda game. It'll be at least five years between Breath of the Wild and in, in the sequel. And and my concern is that so much of the success of breath of the wild was the initial experience it was truly understanding how open that world was playing with that physics engine 
all of these things, right? And I don't think you can put that that genie or let's say the fairy back in the bottle, uh, make it make it Zelda themed. But um, I, I I I think it has a lot of interesting ideas, but I don't think that Ayanuma was ready to show that. The the lack mm-hmm. of a title was was strange. Such a a wide release window was strange. I think that I they probably should have shown a cinematic and talked about the game conceptually, and then showed gameplay when they were ready to prove to people that this is more than just an expanded Breath of the Wild because it seems like it's going to use basically the same Hyrule map and just add above, which is an interesting way to go. But ultimately, five a five-year cycle for a Zelda game connotates more than just an expanded Breath of the Wild to me. So I love Breath of the Wild. I think it's one of the best games this industry has ever produced. Um, but I'm just hesitant that the sequel won't be able to be what the first game was. Yeah, I, I have to agree. Like you always uh, put out your thoughts like in such an eloquent way, so <laughs> it makes us look like fools. <laughs> no, no way. Um, but yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to the sequel of Breath of the Wild. Um, the, the locations like look absolutely stunning. Like when we f- see that first shot of Link uh, dropping into the the map, like it's it looks amazing, and it kind of goes back to Skyward Sword. Very... Yeah very clear yeah and that to me that's exciting because skyward sword i know isn't like everyone's favorite i mean if anything it's probably everyone's least favorite but the game had good ideas like even if you don't like the game it had good ideas so seeing some of those ideas kind of you know incorporated into uh, breath of the wild 2 could be really good and also i saw um i think it was gene park from washington post i think i saw a couple other journalists say this too um there was a lot of speculation uh among a couple of critics that were what was it called bowser's fury a lot of people were saying i bet bowser's fury is testing out features for the new zelda game and i could really see that with uh ganondorf and the sky you know like what if when you're traveling in the sky he can like chase you or something i don't know but there's something we don't know yet you know what i I mean like i don't think this is gonna be a safe sequel I think they're just not ready to tell us what makes it so different. I, I feel like that five years of work was placed on the new map, but also like adding different locations to Hyrule and maybe, maybe, maybe just adding like temples as well as the, the shrines. But we still haven't, we still didn't get a lot of information from this trailer. It was just like, okay, yep, it's coming, you know? I, I want to ask you guys too. So we we saw we we we've got two D and three D Metroid coming, and as we know, Nintendo usually hates Metroid. So if if we're getting a two D and a three D Metroid, do you think that means that there's a chance for a new original two D Zelda? Because that's what I I kind of want to see a link between worlds. I think that's what Breath is working too. on. Okay. Yeah, I, I think that the challenge with this is Grezzo, um, but the problem is they just did Metopia. Um, and so right. that, that's a big resource drain. Clearly, it didn't take a ton of time to make because I'm assuming that Grezzo did that right on the back of Link's Awakening. So that's probably yep. a, a fairly a fairly quick. Are you job, telling but... me Utopia is the reason Link's Awakening's frame rate's bad? Because that's really <laughs> that's upsetting. <laughs> <laughs> that frame rate is. I don't usually care about frame rate that much, but oh my god, the frame rate was so frustrating in that game. I would love a new 2D Zelda, I, I think is the bottom line, but it's just, it's a matter of freeing up those resources. I don't know what happened, yeah. um, and I'm sure your audience could educate me on this, uh, what happened to the dedicated 2D Zelda team. I don't know if that's been absorbed into the Breath of the Wild apparatus, considering how big these games are now. 
Um, but it does seem like Grezzo would be the front runner for a new title, kind of on that Mercury Steam pipeline of let's get a remake and now let's get a new title. Yeah. But it seems like Nintendo's really tapping Grezzo almost as their own blue point at, of let's yeah, let's isolate these games we want back and we're going to give them to you to, to accomplish that. But I would love to see them uh, let Grezzo have another chance like with Ever Oasis, but with the Zelda IP because they've worked so... Yeah. Uh, intimately with the brand, with the with the 3D titles and Link's Awakening, so just let them do it. Just let them do it. That's the bottom line. I agree. Is there any takeaways you want to say uh, about E3 before we um, close the show? Like, I think I'm gonna. We're not gonna do the what we're playing section because we went so long. Yeah, longer <laughs> episode. Uh, I was really disappointed that when Waker HD and Twilight Princess HD didn't show up. I definitely think they're gonna make those on Switch. I I. And I'm not trying to put down Miitopia. I just can't imagine a world where Nintendo says, yeah, Captain Toad and Miitopia can go to Switch, but Wind Waker and Twilight Princess can't. Yeah. You know, so I think they're coming. I just don't know why they didn't announce them. That would have been perfect to be like, oh, in addition to the game and watch, we're also doing this. I know? think I think it's because they want to f- focus the marketing on Skyward Sword HD. Um, oh, okay. I think that's that connection between the Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild sequel and Skyward Sword will be evident in some fashion. Yeah. Maybe the two could link together. Like, oh, it'd be so cool if Skyward Sword had like this little level or like a temple or whatever, we're gonna like find out. You have point. two amiibos to like, do it though. A narrative point, kind of like linking it together, um, the both of the games, but. I know there's no history of that, but it would be super cool. Um, hey, they did something like that with, uh, Met- I mean, much more primitive, but they did something like that with Metroid Prime, Metroid Fusion. So, you know, okay. don't don't say never, they might. Um, but, yeah, like, I-, I think we'll see Twilight Princess and Wind Waker in September or, or August, something like that, um, to celebrate the Zelda anniversary in its own kind of direct, like Mario did uh, last okay. year. I don't mean I to keep. I'm probably it's probably annoying to keep hearing like me and other people bang that drum, but like those are really good games, and they shouldn't be on the Wii U and GameCube only. Nah, you know what I mean? Yeah, like, I agree. Those games should be on Switch. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I thought I think overall E3 was good. I think especially considering, you know, a lot of this stuff that we're seeing, this was being worked on during the pandemic. You know, and everyday life was harder for me during the pandemic. I know that was the same for not only developers individually, but also the company as a whole. Do you so. think that's the reason why we got Advance Wars and WarioWare's because like they had like the pandemic was going on and they had to uh, separate mm, on different pro- smaller projects? I mean, so that's oh. an interesting point for sure. I, I could definitely see it influencing, you know, more creativity and less like expensive stuff. The, the way I look at it is is not a function of the pandemic, but as a function of the long term moves Nintendo made years ago that are finally paying dividends. I believe it was around 2015, Nintendo restructured all of their internal teams um, to unify them, basically ahead of the Switch, knowing we're moving towards a one-platform ecosystem, so let's unify our handheld developers, our home console developers, into Nintendo teams. But historically, we saw Nintendo's home console team have a really challenging time transitioning from standard definition development to HD development. That's why the Wii U had so many delays, and I've gone on record talking about this. So I think that a similar thing happened with those handheld teams who had such a, a such a culture shock moving from developing for 3DS to developing for Switch, not only moving from handheld to home console, but from handheld to HD, that I'm sure they felt those same growing pains. But now we're finally starting to see games of the scale of a WarioWare, which speak to that handheld lineage and speak to, hopefully, the pipes being a little bit less clogged and these handheld teams 
finally being able to implement their ideas on Switch. But it's also worth noting that, um, and specifically in the case of Advanced Wars, the game is being developed by uh, WayForward, which is a really interesting, yeah, it's a really interesting piece of information that we didn't learn until uh, the Treehouse broadcast, which kind of contextualizes that release independently um, and gives me hope that Nintendo is now again interested in pursuing independent partnerships the way they did with Cadence of Hyrule. So I think there's a lot of pieces wow. moving right now, and they're finally coming to fruition, which is really exciting for me as someone who enjoys the smaller B-tier handheld Nintendo series a lot. Just as a side note, I think Nintendo buying WayForward would be a very smart move, just because it's a talented team. They seem like they, like just like Platinum Games, I guess, they seem like stretch thin with like multiple projects, but when they're focused on one or two projects, like the the games are spot on. And, and they don't have to worry about like, oh, we gotta be, we gotta, we have to be making the SpongeBob SquarePants. We have to be making the Bakugan game. <laughs> right, they can just make what they want to make or what we, what Nintendo wants them to right. make. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, how would you rate uh, this show? I Nintendo think give it an A. Yeah. I think I, think it, I think it could have been better, but it wasn't bad. I mean, there's always going to be stuff that oh, they didn't talk about this, and that's not so much because Nintendo is doing a bad job, but because they own so many, you know, beloved IPs. And they've created so many things. Like I'm saying, a Nintendo Direct can't have everything. It just, it just yeah. can't. Uh, I also give this show an A because I think it's it's Nintendo smartly, like Xbox, arriving with a purpose and fulfilling that purpose. They had to announce that their slate for the second half of the year, and they did that. And they did that, in my opinion, with IP and franchises of scales and niches that have not been touched on recently. We've got a lot of tentpole Switch games. Even early this year, things like the like, you know, like a Monster Hunter Rise or a Super Mario 3D World and Bowser's Fury, those speak to the audience in broad strokes, but we saw a lot of Nintendo speaking to its hardcore fan base, which frankly has not gotten a lot on Switch in, in, in recent years, in my opinion. So yeah. I think that they were servicing all of their audiences really well today. I felt very serviced. <laughs> Do you have that sexy hair, Josh? <laughs> Can I, I want to ask you guys a quick question too before we wrap up. The Get Guardians of the Galaxy, I saw that's coming to the Switch in the cloud. Yeah, that's weird. That's the first game, to my knowledge, that's coming to the cloud. Um, well, no, because we had Hitman. Never mind. Hitman, I was going to yeah. say that's one of the first ones that I've seen outside Japan, but there was there was Hitman too. But do you think we're going to see more of that? Is Do you think that, they're, that, that that's going to be... Do you think the Switch Pro is still happening, or do you think the cloud is going to be the way they do that? I, I, still don't, I still don't think that Switch Pro is a guarantee. I don't know. It's kind of yeah. weird, like that that whole rumor coming about. Like it doesn't make sense because parts are uh, are low right now. Why would you launch a, a console this year when? And then of course, it's barely make switches well too, themselves, so they don't really yeah. need to. I also wanted to ask you guys too, uh, especially Abram, because he's got that Nintendo insider knowledge. I think I'm pretty sure. Um, <laughs> do you think they're gonna even mess with? Do you think they're more likely to just do Switch Two? Or do you think they're more likely to... Like, do you think the mid-generation thing's still on the table, or do you think they're just kind of looking to the Switch 2 at this point? Uh, so I can only speak from from precedent. Um, and when you when you look at these Nintendo systems that have gotten revisions, they have been quality of life revisions, first and foremost. You know, you do have things like a new Nintendo 3DS that did have a little bit of a power increase, but it was nominal, and the exclusives that manifested from it were few and far between. By and large, Nintendo yeah. updates hardware for 
things like a better screen on the GBASP. They they do things like adding cameras and some functionality on a DSi, right? It's never about pushing the bleeding edge of technology because Nintendo has never been about that. Going back to the way Gunpei Yokoi designed hardware with the, the Game & Watch, it's just never been Nintendo's design philosophy. So in my opinion, I think that we will get a Switch revision, but I do not think that the Switch revision is the quote-unquote pro um, because yeah. it just it's antithetical to what Nintendo does. However, I do think that if this sort of newer leadership at Nintendo decides to go in the direction of a pro, I think that the future in the context of cloud gaming is maybe on-cart releases for the pro and cloud SKUs for people that have a base or a light. Um, um, that would make so we'll sense. See. That's a good way to do it. That, that really makes sense because then those who played like the ordinary Nintendo Switch wouldn't feel left out. Yeah. Because yeah, you can't you have play those games. Yeah. Yeah. Do you how far do you think we are into the Switch's like life cycle? Like it's been five years. Do you think we're like halfway through or do you think we're like more than halfway through? They said seven to ten was their goal, and I think that that's I think that Nintendo pulling it back to Pirates of the Caribbean from a CFD's conversation, they're gonna jack sparrow <laughs> this to the to the water. They're gonna step off of that ship sinking ship and onto the dock because the Switch is just this is it's lightning in a bottle for Nintendo right now. And Nintendo operates on boom and bust cycles of great systems, poorly performing systems. We've always seen this. So I think yeah. they recognize that they need to hold on to this as long as they can and then release yeah. something that is a substantive upgrade that people are going to want to go for that's marketed clearly. And I think that that's not a conversation you entertain until you're in a Wii situation where where maybe oh, hardware yeah. is selling, but software is plateauing. And software is obviously not plateauing right now. And that's where Nintendo that's makes true. their money. So I think that we're in this for a good few years still. I'm still having fun with my Switch. I just, I don't want to get to a point like in the Wii, the Wii cycle where it was like, oh man, they're still making games for this thing. Let's do a new system. You know, just the Wii was just, it overstayed its welcome by a couple of years. And I don't want the Switch to do that because I don't want this thing to turn into a thing I don't like playing. I want it to keep being exciting. And I think that if they just refresh it with stronger hardware, but it's the same kind of concept, that would be a good way forward. Yeah, I think they have to keep this concept from now on, but they probably won't. But anyway, um, that would be a good way to end things. Um, I I would give an A to Nintendo, by the way, just to end it yeah. off. Yeah, good show. Yeah. Uh, so Abram, where can people find you? Uh, so people can find me um, primarily um, over at Backlog Banter, youtube.com slash backspace lot space banter. Uh, we make all kinds of gaming and film content over there. Um, the other place to to check me out is over at Twitter. Typing Abram Beaner is going to be more efficient because my handle is Penguins with Capes, but there's not enough space for all those characters. <laughs> um, and that's a great hub to find my uh, written work over at Comic Book Resources, as well as a pretty good entry point to all of my video content at BLB. So Twitter is probably the, the nexus, but I'd push people towards BLB because CBR, believe it or not, they've got an audience. I want to build that BLB up a little yeah. bit. <laughs> uh, Josh, where can people find you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Instructorsh, and then you can find my stuff at uh, Retroware, uh, Prima Games, and Gamefer. I'm working on a couple of uh, pitches for Prima that I think are pretty cool, and I, I think they'll probably get approved, so I'll be sharing those soon. Cool. And you can find me at Penwell Writes on Twitter. You can find my written work at Gamefer, uh, Game Skinny, uh, Retroware. Uh, all sorts of places. Um, I also just got a job at How To Geek, so I'll be doing a bunch of. Oh, right on! Too. Yeah, I love that website. Yeah. I've used them for yeah. like 
over 10 years they're great so look out for that too um yeah uh go listen to go beyond the my hero academia podcast each and every wednesday uh born hard and i we go through each and every episode of the show in excruciating detail we talk about the manga we talk about the anime if you're my hero academia nerd you'll love it um i i, I promise you'll love it um but yeah that that's the show um i do want to say that's you know uploading on wednesday isn't going to be the norm i know we've been doing that over the last few weeks but it's going to be next tuesday uh next week so um stay tuned for then um thank you so much for listening and uh we'll see you next week uh hopefully with joseph and yeah. also uh thank you so much abram for joining us today thank you so much for having yeah, me thanks for coming on it was really fun and uh we all learned that link box together all right bye everybody <laughs> <Sorry>. bye <laughs>